0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Welcome to Glam Mirror. Hi, I'm Dr. Tavis Amir, and you are joining me for Glam Mirror. I am a cosmetic dermatologist here to uplift, inspire, educate, and talk about all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Glam Mirror with me, Dr. Tabitha Samir, and I have someone here who I'm just absolutely enamored with, Dr. Robbie Ludwig. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. We've been trying to coordinate this for a a long time. Well, for those of you who are just kind of tuning in, she's a nationally known psychotherapist. She's been a regular guest on CNN, Fox, Headline News, best-selling author, and very multifaceted counseling services that you provide on, on your own private practice. Yeah,
0: I mean, I really feel working with patients helps me understand the reality of what people are really dealing with. Yeah, it keeps your kind of, your
1: antenna out there for what's happening. And
0: also, I think when you're just studying research, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit in the ivory tower. It's not as realistic. I mean, you certainly it's real to some degree, but when you're working with patients, you're applying all of your theories and seeing how they really work or seeing what's really going on. It's like the difference between being a
1: student yeah. and being in practice right. of what, whatever is you're studying. Right. You, know, you can study fashion, but then once you actually start practicing it.
0: I remember, and this is slightly different, I was doing psychology reporting in upstate New York in Elmira, and there was one parenting segment I did mm-hmm. where we were recommending to parents that their kids not watch more. Than thirty minutes of television, and I was very strong about it. Right. Until I had my own kids. Right. Then and then I'm impossible. like, "Hey, you know, watch as much as you need to watch." So uh, the reality in in reality, things don't fit into no. perfect boxes. Just to that
1: point, I have two nieces, and I tend to just watch them because we have such a fun time together. But when Auntie gets tired, the iPad comes out, and I am just like, "Girls, go at it." I need two minutes yeah. of just silence. It's crazy. Right? So uh, you know, first thing I definitely want to talk about is your book, Your Age Is Now, but I it is so much more than what this book is that you are about, but this book is really about having the right mindset as
0: yeah. females, males, to live your best life at all ages. It was really inspired by my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. So you're also in the TV world, mm-hmm. so you know what it's like. And it's kind of strange because as a therapist, and I started, that's really what I got trained in first so I was a therapist before I did any television right and And it just happened after that right well no I had to pursue it but my point is when you're a therapist and you're young Uh and maybe you feel this way as a doctor as well it's kind of nice when people think you're older I was always excited when I was one year older than a patient because when you look young as a doctor people start to question what do you really know that happened to
1: me a long time uh, for a long time and I I'm not going to hate on it because it used to drive me nuts. I was on air once giving advice for a TV show and literally the anchor said to me, how old are you? And I'm like, how freaking annoying is that question? Because she thought I was too young. Exactly. It's funny.
0: Exactly. And so, you know, as a therapist in a weird way, the older you are, the more gravitas you have. So nobody ever says, oh, are you too young anymore? Which is a little funny. But I was interviewing for a job Mm -hmm. and it was a casting director and a lot of these casting directors are in their 20s. Yeah, And um, she asked me how old I was. And you're not really supposed to ask that. I don't even think it's legal. No, but it's not. I'm not one for lying about my age. Because I earned all of my years. I'm not going to deny them. And I remember thinking after this interview wow, I wonder if I've aged out of you know TV work. Mm-hmm. Maybe my best years are behind me. And I don't tend so to that think that way. So that question tended to make you feel insecure. The question led me on a journey, really, mm-hmm. because I really started to think about age and what does it mean. And living in New York City... I would look around and all of these women who were in midlife looked amazing. Yeah, They were having the time of their lives. It didn't match at all kind of the image we have been kind of socialized to believe mm-hmm. that at midlife you're losing it. Mm-hmm. It's all about loss. You're losing your looks, you're losing your brain cells, you're losing your man or your woman or whatever the case may be. And so I started to look at the books out there and they were really depressing. They were. And then I started to look at the research, and the research was really positive mm-hmm. and showing a very different picture, yet none of this information was out there.
1: To your point, a lot of books out there, basically, I have not read mid, mid middle-aged books because I don't even understand why you would read something that makes you feel worse about yourself. <laughs> right. um, so yours was different because you're kind of like, listen... Um, your best life is ahead of you.
0: Well, I you know, really science is a game changer. Yeah. So what I did was I started to compile all of the science and and show that what midlife is today, it's very different than what we experienced in the past. And when you think about it, we're living so much longer. We are. Uh, the benefits of what's going to be personalized medicine is only going to change that women now can have kids all the time, you know, all the way into their 50s through science. So some of the limitations that we had in the past no longer exist. We find out that we continue to make new brain cells, that our personalities continue to change. And when you interview many women in midlife, and I was finding this in my private practice, they felt more confident than ever before. They have less pressure, I feel, a lot of times in that when you're in your 20s and your
1: 30s, you have to worry as a woman, Um, about how are you gonna balance career and a family and then having the family. So there's all of those balancing. I have friends who are in their 50s who already had kids, already were married, been divorced, and they're dating now. And they're having so much more fun than a lot of girls I know in their 20s because they've got the money and the means and they've
0: already done all the stuff society expected of them. They know themselves more. Mm -hmm. And so it's wonderful when you are not in this place of always having to please somebody else Mm -hmm. or feeling like you have to live up to some expectation that's not well suited for you. So as women get older, and this is probably true for men as well, it's almost like you learn how you fit into yourself. It's like your body starts to fit better. Your psyche is is wise. You have a better sense of who you are. You can listen to your soul better. So that's what the science says. Mm-hmm. But in reality, a lot of women are conditioned otherwise. Well, and that's where the danger is. Yeah. So like, for example, when I had this interview and mm-hmm. somebody asked me how old I was and then kind of quickly got off the phone, mm-hmm. I went quickly to that cultural script of, oh, I must have aged out. Mm-hmm. This over-idealization of youth. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you learn that's that's not the case, then you can stop this kind of internalized expiration date that many women are inclined to place on themselves. Yeah. But when they learn, oh, my God, this is a really under... Um, appreciated time of life Mm -hmm. and so if you learn all of the realities, it's a very different experience. One of the things you have in your book, you talk about a few things
1: that I definitely want to touch on. The thing that I want to get right to because it stuck with me the most the most sense to me was fighting regret with resilience yeah um i have a lot that i can when i read that title alone Uh that was such a like aha to me because i have had to definitely be resilient for a lot of things um And that's something that I think it's so important to talk
0: about. Yeah, I I think what can happen is women get to a certain point where they say, oh, if only. If only I went right instead of left. If only I made a different decision. Am I really living the right life I should be living? And we really have to find a way to forgive ourselves Mm -hmm. for any decisions we made, whether they went right or didn't go well, to find a way to accept ourselves Learn from it and move on stronger and tougher. Because what choice do you have? Either you're going to be a victim in life Mm -hmm. and see yourself as someone who's beaten down, and we've all had trials and tribulations, or you're going to see it as life is challenging and it's all about how I meet those challenges. So it's all about, like, in that moment, resilience. Like, when
1: somebody says to you, How old are you? and they quickly, you know, as you've described, got off the phone, I guess. You could have, in that moment, chosen to just, like, waddle in sorrow and gone to a dark
0: place and stayed there. Right, or just shopped my way out of my (sighs) depression. I like to do. (laughs) But instead, I went shopping and then wrote a book. Right, okay. I made myself very happy. I love it. But what I'm so happy about Mm -hmm. is that... You know, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, when you interview women who are, you know, midlife, they say, first of all, it's a moving target. Mm-hmm. So what was considered midlife in the 70s when passages came out was 35. Wow. We now consider 35 so young. Right. I have people who are just turning 30 in my practice that I'm like, oh, they're so cute. Right. You know, they right. seem so young. Um, and now, you know, 35 is when people are just getting into the groove of their lives. Yeah. They're maybe just getting married, having young families. Yeah. And and so now it's it's more, they did an interview with women in Britain mm-hmm. and they were asked, when do you consider midlife, midlife? And they said 53. Mm. And And when also asked, they said, I never oh. knew that I'd feel so good about my looks. Mm-hmm. And some women said, I feel way prettier today than I did in my youth. So it's just so interesting, this idea of what youth is. Mm-hmm. It's it's a romanticization of, of, of youth rather than the reality of youth. Yeah. Youth can be great. But it's not the only great time. Yeah, it's
1: not. Um, Youth is celebrated, I think, a lot, as it should be. You should celebrate your youth. Absolutely. But it's sad when when I see, especially in my practice, I see people coming in who are like 21, 22. People don't understand. People are doing... Cosmetic dermatology so much younger these days, you know, whether it's acne treatments, whether it's something like for actual that they're doing it younger because they know that they can. Right. And I, they're never, never in, they're never seem to be secure about their looks at that age. And sometimes you need someone to tell them, listen, you're 21, like, you're, you know, this is, you're going to look back at this 10 years from now and think, wow, I was so hard on myself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. Speaking of that, uh, the next thing is a faulty mindset. Yeah. Um I want to talk you definitely talk about that in your book and you, you, I have a situation where I first realized it when I was about 24 years old and I turned 25. <laughs> and I remember feeling, "Oh my god, I'm so old now." and also I was talking to a friend of mine who was 31, and she was talking to me like she was 90 years old. Mm-hmm. So it can
0: start really young. And it may have nothing to do with age. Yeah. You know, I ask people a lot, how old are you in your head? Mm-hmm. So I'll ask you, how old are you in your head? And then I'll tell you how old I am I think in my sometimes head. I'm 18 in my head. Okay, so I'm <laughs> 24 or 25. It goes yeah. back and forth depending on how mature I am. I think I'm about that too, but yeah. like sometimes I feel 18, yeah. So I think most people kind of to feel the same age yeah. in their own head oh. and and here's the good news the people who feel younger mm-hmm. tend to feel more hopeful mm-hmm. and positive and optimistic about themselves and their future. Well, it's also because you start to think when you're
1: not hopeful that it's too late for X, Y, and Z. That's oh, exactly I it. haven't gotten married yet. It's too late. I right. haven't had a boyfriend yet, or girlfriend yet. It's too late. I haven't achieved
0: that goal in life. It's too late. Right. That's the problem. And so that's what I wanted women to get out of. And so what I recommend in my book is there are a lot of similarities. Between adolescence and midlife. There oh. are hormonal changes. It, there really are parallels. Now, for adolescence, you're really separating from your parents and you're. Entering into adulthood, figuring out who you are. And, and the same for midlife, only it's a little bit different. You begin to shed what culture and family tells you to do, mm-hmm. and you listen to your soul a little bit more. And it's almost like a more mature adulthood mm-hmm. that you're entering into. But if we borrow the positive aspects of adolescence, it can almost reboot our mindset. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I tell women is have a little moxie. Yeah. You gotta reject this idea that there's an expiration date. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, in my private practice, I've worked with women who have never been married and then find the love of their lives when they're well into their late 50s because they're ready. And Everything all of a sudden clicks into place. yeah. so you know, you realize these ideas that we've been taught to believe are not accurate may not be accurate for us. And you have to be in that active, kind of rebellious, you know, how adolescents say, "I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen to that role. I think we need to embrace some of that. Approach to our lives as well. Does a lot of this apply to men too? I think so. Yeah. Because more and more men are internalizing, um, image difficulties they may not like losing their hair they don't exactly love uh, when they gain weight it could ruin their day as well so they are certainly impacted by the images around them um, but I think in general women have been taught the message you are your looks mm-hmm. or that's where your power lies even if you're smart even if you're brilliant even if you have an amazing career mm-hmm. I think women have kind of been socialized to believe a much more dangerous message when it comes to looks and youth and what's valuable.
1: Well, it's interesting because when I was, I was very young when I started medical school. Like, I mean, I think I was 20. But, um, you know, in that moment, I remember... Um, I never was made to feel like, oh, you can't do this and do that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then later in life, like people are like, oh, you know, you've worked so hard on your career. You haven't had time for other stuff. And I remember thinking, would you ask that of a male? Like, oh, you've worked so hard to become a cardiothoracic surgeon. That's why I just thought. and, And I was talking to this 18 year old girl because her father wanted me to advise her. And I was telling her, go to school. Get an education, work your butt off, make yourself, and then the guys will come. Right. No one said that to me when I was little, except my parents. (laughs) Well, and not only that, the rest of everybody tried to ostracize you to make you feel guilty. Oh. And it was, you know, it didn't affect me. It didn't bother me. Yeah. I already knew. But how does somebody get to that point where they feel comfortable about who they are and what they are? Because that's a that's a big issue that women have. They feel insecure. Society has told them
0: it's game over. Right. Um, Well, I think it's by getting information that's accurate, like that's in in my book. book. (laughs) Um, I also think it's um, surrounding yourself with positive people who do support you, Mm -hmm. do support your goals, um, who don't necessarily buy into faulty thinking. Mm -hmm. I also think it's really important to have a spiritual perspective Mm -hmm. about who you are in the world, Mm -hmm. Um, because without it, we tend to see ourselves as victims Mm -hmm. and from this one-dimensional viewpoint, which is dangerous. We always make ourselves the center, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we have to understand there are things that are beyond our understanding, beyond our control, and to put ourselves – I don't know, in in kind of the bigger scheme of things in life. And, you know, I used to think that with age comes
1: wisdom. It doesn't always. Not always. It doesn't always. So uh, speaking to the people who aren't there, what tips would you kind of give people who have that feeling that, oh, it's over for me, I'm old now, like, what do you think they should do?
0: Well, if they give up on themselves... you know it's going to be very hard to fight. So they're going to have to fight that tendency to give up on themselves. They need to get my book so they can find a process then yeah. that really works for them. Get the science. Understand that human beings are in a continual state of growing, yeah. and that positive things happen at all different times. So look at people that you admire who maybe achieve their greatness later in life mm-hmm. or at all different times. So you broaden what you're reading and what you're Exposed to, yeah. so that you don't necessarily go with the soundbite explanation of what is possible for you. And I kind of always look at it like this, too.
1: Um, if you think you're over the hill, life's over at fifty.
0: What what are you gonna what is your eighty year old self gonna say to your fifty year old right. self? Or your hundred year old self. You I mean, never. now people today mm-hmm. without the benefit of modern medicine are living till over a hundred. So that that's the interesting thing. When you think about adolescents and youth, they tend to look at the future differently. Mm-hmm. They tend to look at the future as being more hopeful, with filled with positive mm-hmm. uh, possible things happening in their life, goals being met. And once you hit midlife because, you know, everybody's been humbled a bit. You live life, you experience some disappointments. So how they experience time is different. Yeah. So that's when you realize I'm going to be living a long time. I better figure out how to be purposeful because we're going to continue to dream and we're going to continue to have goals. So we might as well figure out how to make that happen for ourselves. And society doesn't win. I also think it's important for people who have a voice in the media, like you, Mm -hmm. like me, um, to help redefine the possibilities. Because if we live in a society that says only one age group matters, only one age... Our, our voice matters. That's like society shooting itself in the foot. That's mm-hmm. a very dangerous place to be. We need a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different voices and a lot of different age groups. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were, I was talking with my sister about age and
1: I was, you know, discussing with her like how 70 seems so young. Yeah. Not not necessarily I think, so, but like look at our presidential candidates. They're mm-hmm. both, I think that Hillary's almost
0: 70, 69
1: ish and Donald Trump's
0: seventy And she's like a perfect example of some regardless of where you are politically, she's wealthy enough Mm -hmm. to sit home and do absolutely nothing. She could be a grandmother and call it a day and say, I've had a successful life. But the woman has a burning passion and goal to do something and she's not going to let the fact that she's 69 somehow
1: stop her. Well, it's funny because I saw a documentary on her on CNN Uh um, about her younger days and how she met Bill Clinton, you know, that whole thing. And one One of the things I took home from that being kind of that way when I was younger, I never stopped. I was always pursuing Mm -hmm. a passion, educationally, and I see see that with her and Mm -hmm. her youth. And one of the things Bill liked about her was that, and she still
0: has that bravado now. Yeah, absolutely, and it gets stronger because you. It's all about your mindset. You also realize what your purpose is a Mm -hmm. little bit more once you kind of eliminate the external noise telling you who you should be and who you need to be you over time say this is who I am I'm going to accept it this is what I need to accomplish this is what I'm meant to accomplish and and if you have that really strong burning desire you can make that happen for yourself.
1: to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Talking all things beauty from the skin to the soul. This is Glam Mirror with Dr. Tabas Samir. So I I feel like... This book is a must read for anyone. I don't think you need to be middle aged to read this because there's a lot of tips in there, a lot of like a lot of sage advice for anyone feeling
0: like time's up. And even in the workplace. You know, how to kind of help yourself get noticed regardless how old you are. I think it's good for anybody who's in the real world. How do you always make yourself relevant? Now, this is quite a departure
1: from your last book.
0: Yes, I know. (laughs) I know.
1: Her last book was Till Death Do... Us parts, Yes. And it was The Mind of the Killer Spouse. Yes, it's love, marriage, and the mind of the killer spouse. (laughs) I cannot let you go without asking about that book. Oh, Um, such
0: a and I loved writing it. I love writing both books. Well, one
1: of the best, uh, it's bizarro. One of the things I love watching on television are these these mystery murders, Mm -hmm. like true stories. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I I don't know why. It's not like I'm, I just I look at the psyche and why they did it. It's fascinating. How they did it. Um, Because that love can turn to,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well that was I'm really a happily ever after kind of girl and in my practice I want everybody to I just kind want of, to say I am too. I just like watching them. <laughs> no, no. So but yeah this the my first book was not my idea. Yeah. It oh. was my literary agent's idea. He approached me with mm-hmm. this book idea and I was like, I don't know. I like, you know, a romance book and and I started to think about it, I was like, isn't it fascinating mm-hmm. that somebody could fall in love with and marry their killer. And I wanted to explore, was there some unconscious suicidality? I just wanted to understand that better. Um, And what I realized was we become the most murderous Mm -hmm. towards the people we expect the most from. Isn't that interesting? And the
1: most murderous slash crazy slash stalker slash whatever, right? Emotional.
0: we, We want the most from our lover. And so when our lover fails us in some way, depending on what your coping mechanisms are, for some people that can lead them over the edge to murder.
1: It, that's crazy what you just said. It's just so striking that we become the most murderous towards the ones you fall. Think about yeah. it.
0: Think about who you treat the worst. You know, it's not the person usually that you don't know that well. It's yeah. usually the person you live with, yeah. you yeah. know, who you feel the most comfortable. And the truth of the matter is, and I was studying, you know, how does marriage change things? It does because, it does. in some ways, marriage gives us that false sense it's safe to take off the mask mm-hmm. and just be who we are. Yeah. You know, the good, bad, and the ugly. Right. And, That's you know. That's terrifying. <laughs> right? And and I think, of course, it's the people who are smart at being married, and we're really not taught how to be smart at being married, right. who figure out it's important to treat the person you love well, and it's mm-hmm. important to encourage them, and it's right. important to, you know, treat them well. But for people who are more primitive, and, and the commonality amongst all of the people who killed their partners is they really viewed their partner as getting in the way of what they wanted. Really? And so the fantasy, or psychosis, however you want to say it was, once they eliminated their spouse, they could have what they
1: want. It's interesting because it's sometimes when I look at all of these shows, it's always um, there's two. I can't really tell you. The one thing is the person emotionally that they that they are trying that they gets killed has gotten in the way of either them getting a new love, right, or whatever it is enough money, uh, yeah, uh, so, you know something, or that person has left them emotionally. Mm-hmm. So it's always one or the other. Yeah. So I find that to be fascinating because it just there's a big psyche to it and it doesn't it's not just for murderous couples it's also for everyday like when you get into a relationship and right. it all of a sudden becomes stable you know he's not texting me enough she's not doing this enough it's Right and and the interesting thing is anyone can go there. Yeah. any any of us really can be you think murderous? anyone? Could. I think anyone really, absolutely, so anyone could be murdered. So if you heard anyone that you know murdered, you, it wouldn't surprise you. No, in fact,
0: I actually had that happen. Stop, tell me. Um, you know, I, my mother was like, "Robby, you really think anyone could be murderous?" I'm like, "Anyone could be murderous, especially her." But I mean, <laughs> but that's another story. That's another segment. And um, she's like, "Oh, I don't know if that's true." And then we heard a story of. Um, a couple that were very, very happily married. They went to our temple. I knew them really well, knew their kids. and. She ended up killing her husband and then murdering herself. And she uh-huh. was what I would call the caregiver killer. She just, caregivers, you got to take care I of the caregivers. I think she was feeling hopeless. Mm-hmm. I think she felt her husband was in a hopeless place and she wanted to put him out of his misery. And then maybe she didn't want to live
1: yeah. afterwards.
0: So that was her way of coping with. Life at that point and sad and yeah, it's you know very sad. it's very sad and tragic, but that's one example. Well, it's funny because I, you you kind of
1: remind me of something that it's going to sound funny when I say it, but it, if you think about it, it's really not. I have somebody who had has actually recently filed a restraining order against her mother. <laughs> I know.
0: Doesn't sound so
1: funny. I know. I know. And, and people laugh when I say that, but that's the, the point is, like, it's because of the threats being received. Yeah. So you know, that's a
0: situation where you think, oh, who could ever do? that, but then... But let me tell you something. I mean, sometimes it's the family members who are most at risk. Yeah. And we tend to think of stranger danger Mm -hmm. and, you know, getting murdered by a stranger, which of course does happen. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of homicides that happen within families, again, Mm -hmm. because who could press your buttons more than somebody in your family?
1: Oh my gosh. And, you know, you see a lot of kids killing parents. Right. And it's always it always seems to be Psychologically, because one parent made that kid feel like insecure and insignificant, or there's abuse. Yeah, or um, abuse. Or sometimes
0: you have a sociopathic kid. Yeah, we need to watch these shows together. I'd oh, I to, know. I love to sit
1: next to you. While I I'm know. Watching.
0: I, I feel like we need like a slumber party. We or do. Something. I would be.
1: We would t- turn on Reels TV and watch Inside <laughs> Right. Um, we should have it just for like the doctors watching TV and I, put I it can't. on reality. And television. I love those autopsy shows too. It's it's people forget that I'm a doctor. Like I just stuff. Fascinates <laughs> it's because you're so glad. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: true though, and isn't that sad? Yeah, it is true. You're gonna have to like walk around with like empty jewelry right somewhere. I know people forget. Um,
1: You know, I I can't leave without talking about. I was sitting at home one of these days watching the History Channel, and it was about the making of Donald Trump. Yeah, and I saw you pop up to talk about it, (laughs) and I was like, That's my girl, you said some things about him, and I, you know, this is about his. Uh, really, how his mind works, mm-hmm. and one of the things you kind of—I want to start. You said the, the way he thinks about himself. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things you said. You said he's—he—he he, people get afraid to attack him because they're afraid of him attacking back. Right. That he can be somewhat of a bully, and he's such a grand image of himself, and that's how he's accomplished things. Yeah. Please take over from here
0: because well, there was a is, lot yeah. of throwing around the diagnosis narcissism. I mean, yes, and people and, and love um, to call them narcissistic. and people love to call everybody narcissistic. Yeah. And and you probably know this when it came to the DSM five. Yeah. So when they were reconfiguring what was considered an illness and what was considered a character pathology, they were thinking of eliminating narcissistic personality disorder because so many people seem to fit into that category right. these days. Well, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of but, people like known in life. (laughs) There's primary narcissism Uh and secondary narcissism. So the primary narcissism, which we don't tend to hear a lot because it's out of um, it's more in analytic circles that we talk about that, is that primary narcissism is really important. That's how we love ourselves. Yeah. And we need a portion of that in order to grow and be a healthy personality. Mm-hmm. What we tend to hear about is more of the other kind of narcissism, which is you love yourself at the expense of somebody else. Mm-hmm. But when you look at people historically mm-hmm. – They sometimes need to see themselves as this grand, bigger than life person in order to mobilize and make things happen. Right. And so the question at that point was: you know, was there something about, you know, Donald Trump's over-the-top, grandiose imagery Mm -hmm. that? was helpful in terms of helping him mobilize some of these things which were really great and really grand. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I look at how far
1: he's come, um, and this is all pre-election that we're talking right now, but I am sometimes astounded by Mm -hmm. how far he's gotten Mm -hmm. considering his background was reality television. Yeah, But I'm also not surprised because no one thinks more highly of himself Than Donald Trump, and 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 also why wouldn't he be president? He's very
0: he's very entertaining, yeah, and so he knows how to capture an audience and be charismatic. And in a world where, you know, reality TV makes sense to a lot of people, it's how a lot of people feel connected to others. In some ways, Donald Trump is just or feels as real as a Hillary Clinton who's been in political life for many many years. Yeah, is that a dangerous thing? I suppose it can be, you know, because you really have to figure out who a person is versus what their image is.
1: What about as a person thinking that highly of yourself? Um, You know, is it a dangerous thing to think in those ways that are basically grandiose self-thought or think, you know what I mean? Like, if you think of yourself in that way, is it a good
0: thing or is it? It can be a great thing. Mm -hmm. Here's where it's dangerous. Okay. If you're off base. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I was a huge narcissist Mm -hmm. and said, I'm a fabulous singer. Right. And I'm going to be an international rock star. And yet the reality is I the truth is I sing off key. Right. Okay, Yeah. Um, That's not good. Then that's torturous. Mm-hmm. Then you're holding on. To everyone listening. <laughs> to everyone listening. And I use that slightly yeah. as a joke because, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, for for the person that really doesn't know what they're good at and what their natural talents are, if they have a grandiose image of themselves that's truly off base, it's probably not going to work out so well. Yeah. And so it's very frustrating for the person and for those around that person. Without getting
1: into political sides or any of this, mm-hmm. if a personality like Donald Trump's personality becomes a leader of a nation, mm-hmm. what are the pros and the cons? Take politics, actual, you know, um, in you know what I'm trying to say, constitutional laws aside, but yeah, what can that mean for a, a nation?
0: Well, I I think for a politician to be successful, they need to. Listen to the people. Mm -hmm. Um, They need to be able to have a vision that's healthy and in sync with what at least America is all about, if you're talking about Mm -hmm. American politicians. And I think you need to have the right people in place. You need to be able to have smart people around you Mm -hmm. to advise you, and then you need to be able to listen Mm -hmm. to the advice that you're getting. And you need to also admit when
1: you're wrong. There've been plenty of times like I've done, I've accomplished a lot, and you've accomplished a lot. But to this day, if someone says, "Hey, you screwed up," I'm gonna be like, "Okay, let me take this into consideration yeah. so that I don't make this mistake again." Right. Or call you out in your BS if I didn't, but right. I do listen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. You could always decide to not agree, but the goal is always to um, hopefully be able to take information so that it works to your advantage. Because we'd much rather be fooled and manipulated by people that are telling us nice things Absolutely. than be helped by people who are telling
1: us the tougher things in life. I totally agree. I mean, you're fascinating. I definitely want everyone to to check your book out, especially, yeah. you know, wherever you are in life, if you're just starting to feel like maybe life's wearing you down and your mindset is starting to change from hopeless, more hopeless, um, this is kind of like a reboot, I think, at any age. I
0: think so, too. I mean, if you're inclined to give up on yourself in any area of your life, get this book your best There
1: are strategies to help turn things around. As it's available on Amazon. Yep. And, you know, your website is DrRobbyLudwig.com, which we're going to have in our description. Great. And where can people find you if they want to reach you?
0: They can find me on my website, DrRobbyLudwig.com. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. I haven't quite figured out Snapchat yet. I'm a little bit behind <laughs> oh, the times I there. You. I know. Yeah. Um,
1: but if you want to find me, you can find you me. You can find you. Well, I, I want to just say thank you for just putting this message out there because I don't think there's a lot of this positive reinforcement I think and a lot realistic
0: of it's realistic. not just oh I think I'm young therefore I am no the science is showing yeah. that you know the brain changes are working to our advantage and that your mindset can help you in a whole variety of areas mm-hmm. but that it's based on a lot of reality and you know
1: feelings about yourself they aren't always facts you back everything up with scientific facts that's right so the
0: science is there to back up what I'm saying so that if somebody says oh it's too airy fairy no it's backed by science the research is there and you can look it up in the original journal yeah or you can just read her book or just read my (laughs) book and save yourself the time
1: exactly hey thank you so much I'm going to have to have you back on um, to talk about some other psychological twisty tormenting kind of stuff yeah stuff too
0: absolutely
1: (laughs) thanks for coming in today thanks for having me